Hello and welcome to the Modern Fairy Sightings Podcast, where we listen to people's fairy encounters. But take heed, we're not talking about winged tinkerbells here. These are real fairies, real encounters that took people like you and I by surprise. Stay a while and hear their stories. My name is Joe Hickey Hall and I'm a folklore researcher. Dear listener, how are things out there? There's a lot of difficult things going on in the world. How do you keep well? We all have tips we can share with one another. It's hard to know what you can do to help at times like this, especially when events are taking place far away. You might not be in a position to offer your physical help or be able to donate money, but simply doing what you can with loving intent is everything. We are all connected, so if we light a candle of hope and hold those suffering in our hearts, this has an effect. And in our local community, we can offer love to our fellow neighbours. Even just silently sending love to folks that you pass on the street helps. I was reminded to do that today when I noticed a couple of people passing by that looked like they were weighed down with difficult thoughts. It's a heavy time. Silent healers are everywhere. Perhaps you're one of them, or maybe, unbeknown to you, someone has sent you a blessing today. We can all remember a time when just a kind stranger helped lift our lives, and it meant so much. My guest on this episode is paranormal investigator Kate Hergirl-Ray. You may know her from her YouTube channel of the same name, where she interviews folks about all things paranormal. It's an excellent show, alongside her regular co-host, Neil Rushton. Originally hailing from Nottingham, Kate has a particular interest in the Woolerton Gnomes case, and is a published author on the events that took place there in the 70s. She also writes for Haunted magazine, and creates magnificent mushroom-related art pieces in her spare time. We talk about Kate's fantastic gnome encounter that took place when she was a teenager. She describes the time she acted as a mediator between a troubled homeowner and an angry French fae being for the TV show Help My House is Haunted. And we also discuss the strange potency of this time we're living through. Check out the show notes for links to Kate's projects. And a video version of this episode will release on the Modern Fairy Sightings YouTube channel next weekend. A huge thanks to my dear Curious crew on Patreon, a warm and loving community who I'm so grateful to. In the bonus episode waiting for you on Patreon, Kate shares an absolutely shocking experience which left her terrified, but which she feels brought her an even greater understanding of and respect for the Fae. Join us there for access to a whole back catalogue of bonus episodes. This is a brilliant chat and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Though times are hard and it looks like this year may be bumpy, we need to buckle up and keep our energies high, resist fear and attempts at division. Stay focused on love and it eternally helps to remain curious.
welcome to the Modern Fairy Sightings podcast. I'm very excited to have Kate Hairgirl Ray with me. Uh, welcome, Kate. Um, Kate is a podcaster on her channel on YouTube, Kate Hairgirl Ray on YouTube. She is a practitioner of witchcraft and spiritual pathways, a teacher and artist and student of parapsychology. Kate researches ghosts and hauntings and writes for Haunted Magazine. And she also researches elementals, that's, you know, fairies, gnomes and pixies, and also authored a chapter in Woolerton Gnomes, the book edited by Simon Young that's available on Amazon. And as well as that, is well known for her amazing mushroom craft, um, which you, I mean, I put, I popped into the fairy fair a couple of mm-hmm. weekends ago and saw you there and you were super busy there. You've just had another really busy weekend with your stalls. So it'd be lovely to see your, your crafts in a minute, if you can show yeah. us that, because they are absolutely amazing. So welcome fellow Thank fairy you. researcher. <laughs> Thank you for having me along. It's always nice to have a chat with you, Joe. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's always great to catch up. And, you know, I think about, um, I think it's quite interesting that as researchers, um, you know, yourself and I, you know, people like Neil Rushton and, and many, many others. Uh, and Neil obviously uh, joins you on your show on YouTube. What I think is really interesting is that, you know, we've all had our own experiences. And that's kind of where we are, where we're at with this. We've had our own experiences. We're sort of trying to make sense of those. Um, and, you know, it helps to talk to other people about it. And we're interested in other people's views on it. And, you know, we all kind of have a slight, slightly different angle on it too. We all bring something new into that pot. So, yeah, it's always, it's always good to, to chat. I heard your interview with Claire Casey well I watched it because she actually listened to it and watched it which was absolutely spectacular because you had um you know lots of orbs going on so that was that was super interesting so perhaps we'll get to chat about that shortly yeah and I know that you had your own gnome experience could you kind of start off by telling us a little about yourself and and how you got into doing what you do I, I kind of had stages with this throughout my life. It, it's kind of uh, come and go and it's come and go at certain points, I suppose, when I've needed it or um, things have kind of reignited, especially the elemental and the, the fairy side of things. Uh, growing up, I, I, I definitely had the the notions that there was the other to the world and it was something that I never really questioned that that that, that was the case um, and it wasn't until I'd had that physical experience with the gnome that I kind of really started to believe in a more materialistic fashion uh, before it was just a, a kind of an understanding and a knowing um, and it was unquestionable as a kid it was just you know it was part of part of the makeup of the world you know I didn't have any great experiences as a kid I had a couple of um, I suppose supernaturally haunting type experiences when I was a child but uh, nothing to the proportion of a lot of people who come into the world of the paranormal and and the understanding of it so the gnome really kicked things off um, and it's kind of come full circle because I seem to be inundated uh, with with gnome activity um, in my life at the minute with uh, especially with the Woolerton gnomes yeah. Um and things that are that are going off around there. Do you want me to do you want me to talk you through um 
the kind of the, the, the narrative of, of that, that MAME experience. I would love that. Yeah, please do. Okay. Okay. So I was, I think I was about 15, maybe just turned 16. Um, it was a Friday night. I was around a, a, a friend's house. There was quite a few of us sat around. Um, it was in the time uh, where there wasn't a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of money between us. So um, we were sat around getting bored basically on a on a Friday evening. And somebody in the group had this uh, genius idea to get a book from the bookshelf and um, and to use that in uh, in a way of divination. So the book that and, uh, there's a story attached to that as well, which I'll, I'll talk to you about. Um, but the book they pulled off the shelf was a book called The Magical Atlas of Britain. I think that's the title of it. Basically, it's a book that contains different places around Britain that have magical attachment. So the, the, the plan was that we were to randomly open this book and randomly choose a place. So it was letting the book fall and then somebody with the, their eyes shut sort of ran the finger down. It was something like that. It was, yeah. it was ba- basically throwing a dart into the book and it landed on the Uffington horse, which is the chalk oh. horse in um, Oxfordshire. So this was the beginning of the journey. It was, a, you know, a weird start. And instead of being sensible and thinking we'll drive out there tomorrow, we decided that night that it was a good idea to drive out. So it was it was getting late. It was probably 11, 12 o'clock at night when, when we set off. By the time we'd arrived in the area, none of us knew the area. We couldn't find where we were going. So we pulled into a, a farm lane and, and just slept for, for a few hours. Um, to which we were woken up by a, a farmer in the morning. This is a long version, by the way. Um, so this farmer woke us up and uh, with a, you know, you're blocking my path from a tractor. Um, and we asked him where, where the, the, the Uffington horse was. Uh, he pointed us in the right direction. It wasn't quite dawn. It was just starting to break. So it was um, it was just starting to get light enough to to hike up. And we we actually went up the back side. If you've ever been to the Uffington Horse, the, the general route is to to the front of the Uffington Horse, okay. and you can see it. So we were clambering up the side, the back back edge, and we got to the brow um, of this hill. But the, the, it was it was summertime, so it was uh, it was getting getting warm, and, and a mist had formed that was so dense that we couldn't even see each other past you know a couple of meters. It was so intensely dense, and we didn't know that we had literally landed in the middle of the the Uffington horse, basically around the, the head area, until the mist dispersed a little, and as it as it dispersed, there was um, a herd of deer that had just sort of gathered on top of the Uffington horse. And they didn't see us for that that first sort of 30 seconds as we were all stood like it was just one of those really spine-tingling, magical starts to the day. And they saw us and they kind of bolted and dispersed. And as they did, the, the mist started lifting with as the sun was rising. So we were able to see the sunrise come upon, um, literally sat on top of the Uffington horse. Now, the uh, Magical Atlas book also talked about Wayland Smithy, which is a, a burial chamber, mm. which you can take um, you can take a really lovely walk down from the Uffington Hawks down uh, to Wayland Smithy. And it's, it's after that incident and for years to come, it is one of my most favourite places. The, the, the vibrational properties of, of Wayland Smithy are second to none for me. It, it's um, 
it's got a really um, intense, intense uh, vibration to it. So we were walking down um, and it's quite a channeled pathway as you're walking down from the Uffington Horse and, and the sides of the path come up uh, as do the the bottom of the hedges are sort of varying from a foot up to sort of waist height um, as you'd expect in a rural area and then the, he- the hedges are on top of it so the verges uh, go up and the party of friends that I was with were a little bit older than me and their stride was a little bit longer and had sort of darted off into um, marching stance to get down to Wayland Smithy and I was sort of you know bumbling along hanging back and I kept hearing um what I, I could only describe and still can only describe as a singing a singing sound that sounded like the clangers from okay. from it was kind of like a a, a mix between a, a whistle and a humming mm. noise and there was lots it was very meth- uh, melodic in a chaotic way and it was coming from the verges coming from the from the the grass verges just underneath the hedges so as I was walking, it was it was happening. But as soon as I stopped, the singing stopped and um, it was frustrating. And I thought, I've got to find out what 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 is making this noise. So I'm, I'm kind of carrying along a few steps and trying to sort of dive into the thicket. Mm-hmm. To which I could see these things disperse, but I couldn't make out what they were. And as luck would have it. Or, or not because it makes me sound crazy I actually uh, managed to, to dive into the verge and part the grass quick enough to to see one of these things and it was probably about the size of uh, size of my hand so uh, sort of the body was a fist size and it was shaped very much like a flat like a toad okay and was was on all fours um so and, and flat to the ground but its head turned towards me to to see who I was and it was uh very mousy looking on the head uh sort of black beady eyes and humanoid mousy looking so quite pointed features and sort of downy um downy hair that went down its back but the thing that struck me and I remember saying it out loud was it's got tweed trousers on <gasps> and it it had this like because I'd have just I'd have just been like that you know it's my mind playing tricks on me it's some kind of creature but this thing had a little pair of tweed trousers on Gosh, yeah. and, and as soon as I'd had I'd, I, I don't know whether I said it out loud I'm sure I did but as soon as that came into into being it, it it stared it was absolutely terrified it squealed so loud oh. And I squealed like, what is this? You know, and sort of jumped back and off it shot. Mm. And the singing stopped. And I raced to catch up with um, my, my fellow travellers um, and, and said to them, Did, have you heard the, the singing? Have you heard these noises uh, coming coming from the grass verges? And, and they were um, highly amused by me at that point and, and thought I was slightly bonkers. But then when I said what I'd seen and I described it to them, uh, well, I, I, I didn't live it down for the rest of the day. In Ugh. fact, not, not a long time afterwards. So I shut shop on that and I didn't, um, I, I no longer spoke about that particular story until uh, it was 10 years later when I, mm. when it, when I finally uh, spoke to somebody about it. 
because I just felt so stupid um, about saying I've I've seen a gnome. And, and that's how I described it, because it was the only way that I could make sense of it, that it was this thing of the earth. And the only sort of elemental being that I could relate it to was a gnome. Um, I, I since then have kind of revised my terminology because it, it, it almost blended like a sod of earth. So it almost blended into its own landscape as this sort of clump of earth, if you like. It was that kind of coloration. So it, it became uh, it became known as the sod. Uh, that, yeah, that's how, yeah, that's how I referred to it. Um, interestingly enough, and I know this is a side, but this is one of these lovely sort of uh, coincidences that that uh, synchronicities, if you like, and serendipity that that kind of happen in the world. I had forgotten completely what the 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 book was called, and I had spent the rest of my probably another 20 years searching for this book not knowing the title I'd, I'd googled it I'd asked people if they knew what this this book was that that would flick through to get to um to the Uffington Hawks and I met I I, I know um you have read Rob Wildwood's you've got a copy of Rob yeah. Wildwood's book mm. I met up with Rob and, and, and I'm, I'm good friends with Rob and I met up with him uh, on one of his journeys uh, as he was writing the book into Derbyshire. Oh. We, uh, we went up into Derbyshire together and I'd got in the car. And, and as it happens, it, I had the conversation with him how frustrated I was because I knew the book that he was writing had that kind of essence of yeah. this original book. And I said how frustrated I was. I'd never, I, I think I'd, I, I thought I'd made it up. I thought I'd made the title up. I didn't know whether it was false memory. I, I didn't know what was going on. And he literally reached down into the compartment in the side of his, his car and pulled this book out and said, is this it? And I was like, Amazing. I'm not going nuts. But the curious <laughs> thing on top of that was, I, I'd had I, my mum knew my frustration about this, this book and the episode. And I, I rang her up and said, um, I found out the title of the, the title of the book, and she said, "Oh yeah, we've got your copy in the cupboard. We've kept it for you." Oh so goodness! It was just it was a cra- it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. So that book was meant to come back to me at, at, at that point. At that point, that's so. It was your book to begin with, not one of your friends. Yes, and it was I, your book. I I think oh. I was I think I was gifted it from from yeah. that point, and I just put it away in in my cupboard in my childhood bedroom I think to keep yeah. it keep it safe and um it was there all along oh good old mum for keeping hold of that because they're often very well known for sort of putting things into the jumble sale at school without <laughs> without you yeah. knowing aren't they yeah yeah oh wow that is amazing gosh and just I love that you know as young people and children they have an idea let's just go and do this and then they act yeah. upon it they go and do it it's just something like that is what life should be about, shouldn't it? This is yeah. kind of this is what we are. We are creative beings. We we have these sparks of inspiration and these ideas. And, you know, and it's so sad that, you know, looking around, we often just don't get the opportunity to go and follow that. But, you know, look what happened as a result of that, this beautiful experience, the timing yeah. coming up the back, meeting the the deer and the mist. And I'm thinking about the experience. And thanks so much for sharing that. It's really beautiful to hear that. Um, 
it sounds like if the noise was coming from around, um, it sounds like there were more than one in that case. Mm-hmm. Would, is that what you, you felt? Yeah. Yeah. So what sense did you get from them as, as it was going along? Was it sort of, yeah, what, what kind of sense did you get from that music itself? What did it, what did it bring up in you? It was, it was definitely, um, there was an innocence about it and an innocence, I think of, it almost was welcoming the day. That's, that's how it oh. felt that, that it was kind of, they were, they were singing to each other um, oh. and, and sing it, sing, because the sun had literally just started warming, really warming. Um, I remember I'd, I'd taken my jumper off, I'd, you know, just had a, a vest top on. Um, so it was warm enough and it was just that, I think it was just the glory of the day. That's how it felt. It was just singing, singing like like a dawn chorus. Yeah. Um, that that kind of uh, sense to it. It's just absolutely beautiful to, yeah, I can just imagine. And um, when you saw this little being at first, mm-hmm. and it sounds like you got eye contact. Yeah. Which again is a feature, as you know, that, that happens much more regularly than people would imagine if you you know if you're not sort of uh you know into this kind of research and you're only just looking into it the amount of encounters that involve eye contact um is quite incredible really when you first locked eyes with it before it got frightened and you sort uh-huh. of scared each other by the sound of it or or surprised each other uh-huh. um what was that that what was the the sense between you at that moment do you feel Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. I, I always get the sense it was almost like uh, it was looking at me as if to say, oh, shit, somebody's seen me. That that was the sense. And then the squeal was, no, you really have seen me. Yeah. Uh, it was that it was that realisation. It was um, it, it didn't want to be seen and it shouldn't have. It was almost uh, yeah, like it like it, it it broken some cardinal rule within within its clan that you, you don't get caught, you don't get seen. And uh yeah, it was it was that kind of it definitely that kind of feel. And I remember its eyes being incredibly bright black. And I know that sounds weird, but it was so they were so glossy. They were so glossy and so twinkly. Um, so much life. You know, it wasn't when when you see mice eyes, there there is definitely a sentient a sentience there. And there, there is definitely uh, a complex a complex being, you know, you can see in their eyes. But this this was beyond that. This was um it did have uh, a lot of depth, I think, to it and a, a lot of dimension, I think, to the eyes. Yeah. Have you ever been able to draw a picture of it or anything or try and create, recreate it in any way? I have. I did. Um, it was only a few years ago because I, re- I do remember it v- very vividly. 
uh, th- there are bits that kind of I didn't know I couldn't really place and I couldn't even after the fact place how yeah. far this fur went down its back because I was instantly as I'd gone from the face it was the tweed trousers that kind of stood out yeah. so yeah, I, d- I did do a little sort of watercolour uh, sketch and uh, at some stage I will take that and I'll, um, you know, tidy it up and make it um, uh, make it more real um, because I wanted for my own, for myself to be able to get it down. And uh, at that point it did become important for me to do that, to yeah. uh, to see it again, I suppose, and sort of recreate it, um, recreate mm. it in art. Definitely. And it's I guess it's kind of part of the, processing experience as well and you know I'd read uh, in your chapter in, in Wollerton Gnomes about the fact that and you've just mentioned it as well that you didn't talk about it for another 10 years you know and it's mm. h- how did that feel when you so innocently were sharing what you had just experienced with people that you you know you were hanging out with and you had a, a relationship with how did that feel to to tell them and and get the response that you did? I think the first thing is is very crestfallen because I'd had this such an amazing experience that I wanted them to have part in that and I wanted them uh, to experience it through what I was telling them but also to try and help see if we could find them again or, um, you know, just look for some – I think I wanted to explore. I, I, I wanted to um, go back to the verges and see if there was any evidence you know any physical evidence I don't know what I was what I was expecting to find and so I wanted some camaraderie with them even if it was um as much as they were humoring me at that time uh but it it just it just turned into a you know a a, a ridicule it, it, a friendly banter ridicule but it was yeah. um I was the youngest of the group which you know the dynamics were mm you know easy target anyway when you when you the youngest of the group and um and they were all transfixed on getting to um to Wayland Smithy um and that was I mean that was an interesting experience as well because that was the first time I'd ever um entered into a woods and experienced being watched um intently watched and I've had this experience at Wayland Smithy since there is a, a pathway that that um the pathway comes from the fields and it goes into a tree line. And as you go through that tree line, it's that perfect liminal space. And I've experienced, I think I've experienced it twice now um, in that particular space, but it's almost like walking through cobwebs. And that particular day, I felt like I was under scrutiny by, um, and it wasn't these these little creatures that I'd found. That no. you, I, I felt an intense watching from something uh, slightly more dominant. Mm. Um, than those creatures and then there's Wayland Smithy itself which is is um it's got such a, a fantastic fantastic energy to it so uh yeah all in all but they were intent on on just getting there and 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 because it was like that was the 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 next I hate to say it but hippie kind of stop off was was getting to the actual burial chamber and and spending time there so um yeah, there was there was a lot of jibes, and it kind of it petered out quite a lot, uh, quite quickly because I I I dismissed it too. I think I, to them, I just you know, oh you know, must have been seeing things that kind of thing. So yeah, oh, it's so kind of reflective of it's like your first realization that that's kind of how that's where the world's at. 
yeah even if they're even if they're people that you know we know and love and that we would regard as really open-minded something like that is just so isn't it odd that it's Mm -hmm. just so outside people's ken that they just no draw a blank and you know and you can understand I mean I I can understand you know I'm sure before you had that experience if someone had said to you that you know that this is what is possible then you would have perhaps laughed it off as well because it's just so outside our understanding and what we're taught about the world and Mm. and taught about in terms of supernatural and paranormal it's so outside the realms when it comes to fairies that um even in the paranormal community which i'm i'm uh i'm very much a part of uh talking about um talking about the fae or talking about elementals Mm. even those very open-minded people to the supernatural and to the you know to high strangeness still find it very difficult i mean the tide is turning but they still find it very very difficult to um to 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 swallow that pill really and it's Mm. it is it's a whole raft of complexities of of cultural context that have that have created that um that it's still seen as childish folly um it's still seen as something that there is um it's not something that that adults enter into because it's it's make-believe you know it's santa claus and pixies Mm. and elves you know the the make-believe so I, I can understand people's reaction completely. Um, uh, yeah, and it's it's sad. It is sad, but I, I do understand it. Yeah, I there's two things I wanted to ask you about there, um, and I'll park one of them. I'm going to say it so I don't forget, but I want to ask you about your involvement with the paranormal team that brought you in about mm. the pixie. So I just want to park yeah. that a moment. Just one, what you were saying there, that it is still such a big step. Now, what I find very interesting is that uh, myself, yourself, Claire Casely from Fairy Whispering and um, Weird Wonderful Wonders podcast, Bethan Briggs Miller as well, all and and there'll be more. We all had the inspiration to do what we're doing now, looking into the, this kind of research at the beginning of lockdown. Mm-hmm. Now, I what you were saying there again about the paranormal community, you know, maybe the tide is turning and just people generally, okay, most people are still going to think this is, you know, utter nonsense and completely ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. But people are interested. Mm-hmm. More people are becoming interested. What do you think that's about? I mean, obviously, we had lockdown. We all felt, I would say, called to do yeah. this. Definitely, it was it was a, a massive calling, and it before before the YouTube. Bizarrely enough, I, and I can't even remember how it happened. It was right at the beginning of COVID, so it was. I think it was just as lockdowns. You know, it was that first couple of weeks. I had um, made contact with a lady who had contacts with people in America. They were. Um, all kind of everybody I mean they were from all different kinds of disciplines her her kind of uh, research was uh, ufology uh, interterrestrials that kind of thing uh, there was somebody who was um, a, a, a spiritual teacher there were there were so many people and I can't even remember how those nodes of people got together but it, it cre- we created um, a, a network right at the very beginning. Um, that was literally 
it was a calling from the fair, from from the fay basically every single one of these people who was in who were in that node they'd had uh you know they they'd had some um workings with with fairies and elementals before that but there was this this huge urge to literally globally connect us to help uh connect the energy of of uh the fairy where we were to to create this 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 uh web if you like around around the globe and i i seriously can't remember how that began but we 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 had regular um regular dealings and then it just it just dispersed as quickly as and there was no rhyme or reason it just it was almost like okay then that phase is over mm. um and buff and everybody from that group went on, on to uh, really start pushing forward in their own disciplines notions of of the fae and and um but there there was a, a real rise i think in a lot of people's consciousness about um uh, about the earth which was one of them because people yeah. were getting out more and walking more but it seemed much deeper than that now i i um i had done i i do some work with with the fae very tentatively and i'd had a lot of interaction on a psychic level mm-hmm. up until that point i probably had about three years of um of interaction where um I'd had, you know, uh, visions and uh, meditative meetings, etc., with them, and I felt like they had forsaken me. Uh, that's the only word that I can. And it was I, I was grieving doubly because of the COVID thing, and I was still walking in the woods, and the woods were quiet, and I was asking questions about if they had any view on what was going off, or were they having input in what was going off. Um, and it was so quiet for me. You know, usually I would get a very clear signs um, somewhere along the way. I would get very clear signs. And this went on for probably about nine months for me. It was just I got really angry, actually. I got really angry of like, you know, I'm going out there and I'm, I'm trying to, to be an ambassador for you guys. And, you know, I, I'm doing my best and you've left me. And when I'd called this out, I, I got literally got a series of images um, of times when they had given me very clear signs and I just missed them. I just blanked them out completely because I think everybody was so embroiled in, in the the horror that was going yeah. on around us yeah. that that we we forgot to see. And I think that that was a massive message for a lot of people that don't forget to see you know this Mm. this is a material um you know uh, this is a material problem that's happening but there is still the spiritual and you're gonna have to really work hard with that much that that much sludge in 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 the uh in the material world you're gonna have to work that extra hard and we're still here you know we're we're still here Mm. Yeah, I can imagine that because it was a really heavy time. It was a really heavy time for people for all sorts of reasons, wasn't it? Yeah. But, you know, looking back even slightly before then as well, if you look at 2019 and you had the uprisings, people yeah. getting out into the street, you had Extinction Rebellion. You know, I've got a kid that was um, at school around then um, and um, they were all walking out of school to go and take part in these marches. You yeah. know, people were rising up. People were battling back for the sake of the earth you know before everything got shut down 
right? So, you know, it's interesting to look back. Um, it's it's really interesting to see that something was happening and this wave happening. And, yeah. and obviously, you know, people were feeling it and getting together to see what they could do. Yeah. But even dis- despite lockdown, you know, you you had this this sense to to go in and and pick up what you were doing and and really run with it, and many of us did. And I just I love that that a number of us you know know each other and we're all doing some similar some similar work, but but also quite different as well because we've all got our own. Well, we're all different people, and we have mm-hmm. our different approaches. We've had different experiences along the way, and all the rest of it. But I think it, you know what we're doing. I I feel as a group is is so helpful as you say it's an extension of what you were describing before you know these people kind of coming together to to do something so you're working with these paranormal groups i think you touched on this in claire's uh, your interview with claire which i must highly recommend because the orb action that was going on there was hilarious wasn't it it was yeah it was i've, I've had a couple here um, I had a re- yeah, I had, when, when you were talking, I had a really bright one that um, that sort of went by. It's it's not we're not super active tonight, but we're no. uh, it's it's building. Well, something's been here because um, there's kind of a white something. It, uh, you would call it sort of a shadow, but it wasn't shadow because it was white. If anything, mm. uh, when you were talking about in the part when you were talking about um, coming together with people before before lockdown and. Um, it was when you were talking about that. There was something going on here and then down here as well. So yeah, and I, I thought, yep, that's Kate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you blame me. That's fine. You can blame me. <laughs> well, I do get stuff going on in this house, but it's usually in the lounge. I mean, it's not a particularly old house. It's just a sort of 1930s ex council house. Um, but there, you know, there there is always stuff going on. But not usually in here, funnily enough. So when that happened, I thought, yep, there we go. There we go. <laughs> but, um, but we've been all right so far with no kind of tech things going off because usually you track that as well. But yeah. your, um, so your interview with Claire when it was just kind of zooming orbs going on all over the place. Um, mm. And it was a, a really fun interview. Uh, and you, so yeah, you touched upon this one time where the guy that was the researcher, he was a paranormal researcher, and there was a something going on with a pixie and you were brought in mm-hmm. to chat to the pixie and to find out what was going on. Can you tell us about that? So I, I'm part of uh, Barry Guy who is on Help My House is Haunted. I'm, I'm part of his paranormal team. Um, and I was very blessed when I made the decision to become a paranormal investigator. I, I kind of things snowballed very, very quickly when I'd made that decision. And I ended up working with, with uh, Barry very early on and it's a fantastic team it's it's a brilliant team but i i started having interactions with the fae in haunted properties as part of that team and um barry's very open-minded and we were getting electronic voice phenomena uh, from these properties whether it be on we do public events as well as private events so we were getting evidence that were that was uh, backing up what I was picking up on a, on a psychic level so he he understood that that that's kind of where my strength is I I've tried see mediumship I'm, I'm not a medium uh, it's not something that I I find easy or uh, something I'm comfortable with doing however uh, the astral beings if you like th- those who have never been um, human incarnate 
tend to want to kind of chat with me, which is mm. which is nice. Sometimes, sometimes it's not so not so great. But yeah, I just remembered a story about that. That's why I'd be called. Anyway, so Barry phoned me up. He was on set. So he was out at a, a, a private case that they were filming for the second series of Help My House is Haunted. And he said, um, very briefly, he said, we have something going off here I think that you'll be able to help with. And I, I kind of stopped him uh, very early on in the conversation and said, I, I don't want any information whatsoever because he'd, yeah. he'd, he'd asked me if I could uh, do some remote viewing. So he sent me a photograph. I asked for a photograph of the front door because it helps me mm. uh, to then uh, go into a meditative state and enter a building. Yeah. And that's all that I, I was given. So he gave me this photograph of, of the front door. I asked him to give me a couple of hours so that I could go go into a, a deep meditation and, and um, see what I could discover. And I, I didn't really need to go into a deep meditation. It wasn't it wasn't a, a real chore. Um, I, I literally, you know, uh, did some breathing, got into a meditative state and um, opened the front door. And um, I was immediately in a, in a hallway and there was this thing pinging around. Um, uh, it, it was it was almost uh, like comic book sort of running around this hallway and uh chuntering just randomly chuntering uh and it was it, i i couldn't understand what it was saying it was it was nonsensical to me it was it was another language that it was it was uh, sort of chuntering away in um and it realized i was there and kind of stopped abruptly in front of me and he, this thing didn't even give me a chance to to introduce myself or say you know what i was doing there it, it was literally stood there wagging its finger and and being really angry and sort of shaking and stomping up and down and um and i i kind of got it into a state where and it was kind of flexing these uh spiky bits coming off of it as it was doing it so it was it was basically showing me physically that it was really yeah. unhappy so it was these these spiky bits were coming off of it and i eventually got it to calm down and 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 that I didn't understand it and I understood that it was angry but I didn't I, I wanted to be I wanted to understand why it was angry he was angry and as he calmed down he took a more humanoid shape and he looked um and this is relevant he looked very sort of um uh northern French very stout um kind of a, I suppose a, an atypical kind of stout French guy you know prominent nose dark hair dark eyes and he kept saying and it was my tree, it was my tree, it was my tree. And then he gave me an image of an orchard. And it was the image that he gave me was an orchard that I knew from childhood, mm. which was an apple orchard. And he was saying it was my tree, it was my tree. They cut it down. And uh, he he kind of impressed on me because he kept just saying it's my tree, but he impressed on me that the couple who lived in the property had cut down a tree for what he saw as no good reason he said mm. it wasn't it wasn't a sick tree um it wasn't it wasn't encroaching on any of the other trees they cut it down because it was aesthetically not pleasing to them oh, yeah and it was his tree so he he was in the house and causing havoc and i was very kind of it was it was a hugely clear meditation it wasn't there was no that that was it and I thought, I'm, I've got to go back to Barry and tell him what, what I have seen. And I rang him up and I said, 
this is what I've seen. And he said, yeah, that fits in with the, the, the stuff that we've been getting. Um, and But he hadn't come across the, the tree theory. So he went back. He said, I'm going to go and talk to the to the owners. And he went to speak to the owners and they said, yeah, we did. Now, what didn't make the cut of that particular episode, because it didn't they couldn't fit it into the time frame of, of the narrative of it, was they did live in France before oh. moving to that house in Devon. Yeah. And in that house in France, they had a small orchard and they did cut down one of the trees because I think it was impeding their view uh, um, of something or other. So they had chopped down that that apple tree and this thing had followed them from France and it was attached to, uh, they had a, a little replica arger, yeah. um, iron arger, and with uh, tiny little frying pans on top. And there's actually a scene of one of the investigators, Jane Harris, who's brilliant. Uh, she was asking questions and they knew that there was um, kind of issues around this, this tiny miniature arger. And as she's asking questions, the one of the frying pans flies off and kind of, you know, and it's, it was it was a brilliant piece of, of footage that they caught. Absolutely brilliant. So I, I relayed this information. They had also chopped down a tree in their current garden, which didn't help the situation no. at all. You know, no. it just further angered this this being, basically. Yeah. So um, I was able then, you know, with the, the research and the knowledge and having spoken to this, this being that um, it, it could be appeased and, it, that, you know, the, the trouble could disperse if they were more mindful of, of, uh, of nature, that it's not there for our pleasure, as in mm. we can't take it away and put it in at will without there being consequences, especially mm. trees. So I know from, for, from I spoke to them after the show and a little while later, they were still getting some issues, which I'm not surprised. I think this this being had well and truly attached itself and was going to get its full full pennies worth of, of being mischievous. Mm. Um, but they went and they, they planted a replacement apple tree um in their garden to to help bridge that gap and that relationship again but it it was it was amazing it it was amazing to get to have that interaction with the being and to have and bizarrely enough the medium at the time on the first two series is chris fleming lovely lovely guy and and very he's very aware of of the fae and he had he had done a drawing of what he'd seen because he'd seen Unbeknownst to me, he'd seen this this character, and Barry had also done a drawing, again unbeknownst to me. And I met up with Barry. I think it was probably a week or two later, mm. and uh, he said, "I've got to show you this. This is bizarre." Because after they'd done these drawings, it was before I spoke to them about what I'd seen. One of the drawings that Chris had done was the spiky side of this thing that looked almost like grot. It was it was okay, tw- yeah. twig twig spiky. And what Barry had drawn was the little French um version. So it and I said it's the same thing. You've drawn the same energy, you, the same being. It's just that's its different energy levels. Different aspects. Mm. That's interesting, isn't it? Because we're like with anything, when you get two people tuning into something, they might see different layers of whatever, whether it's a being or a, you know, um, mm. you know, if you're looking at auras or whatever, like you, you're tuning into different kind of frequencies or layers of the same thing. Two people will see 
you know different aspects of it so that's interesting in itself isn't it it is and I think the the other thing about that is I have I have learned through doing remote viewings and going into to haunted properties that a lot of the time because the astral world is is you know the energetic planes are are simply that are energetic that the that these things are able to create themselves in a way that we understand them and um I might be going off on a tangent here. No, 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 go for it. Um, So how how I came across this uh, was when I was practicing mediumship, it's it's great when you're a paranormal investigator and you're going into properties to to practice mediumship because obviously, you know, there are energies of of the deceased in those places. And after about three different properties that I'd gone to and I was getting uh, women in the same coloured dress um slight variations of era of dress but it was the same blue and it, it got to a bit like come on you know the, what what is going on here and I, I finally twigged I think on the third encounter that it was it was ast- an astral way a, a, an unconscious connection mm-hmm. of me understanding that those women were anxious or down mm-hmm. So they were wearing a colour that denoted their state at point of death Um, and the anxiety that they had carried over with them from point of death. So I think it's the same or there's a similar thing that goes off with the Fae that they will show you an aspect, A, that you understand and B, of their emotional status. So um, I think they can change at will for that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I think, you know, sometimes you receive messages and it's it's kind of like a metaphor of some some sort or a code, like you say, showing you the orchard that you used to see as a child. It's like the way that you receive it, mm-hmm. it goes in as a as energy, mm-hmm. um, information. You receive it in a certain way mm-hmm. so that you can understand it. And if you are able to clearly to be open initially to receive that and also just to be open to allow that to to come up rather than think oh why am I thinking that and all pushing it away just allowing it to come up and allowing mm. that flow that's when you know that's what makes you you know very very good at what you do basically because you're open and you just trust what you're getting I think mm. you know a lot of people are naturally psychic but uh but they will you know decide that it's just nonsense if they if they're trying to do that if you're if they're trying to tune in to perhaps themselves or something else something comes up they just kind of dismiss it so it's a good lesson in that isn't it Mm. I think also the more you practice this the clearer the channels become too which is that's helpful and you also mentioned that you'd had a situation where you'd had communication from a fairy or elemental that wasn't so good do you want to talk about that or no Yes, I, I can do. I can do. I am. I am grinning because this is this is this is my maddest hour. It, okay. it is my. It is. It is one of those that every time I, I re- recall this story and and tell this story, I, I absolutely understand every word that comes out of my mouth. Sounds like <laughs> I should be in an in an asylum because this 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 out right. this out blue. Every other experience I think that I've ever had, whether it be paranormal, supernatural 
you know, all the weirdness and the wonders of the world, they, this kind of blew it out of the water. Mm. This section is available for all members of the Curious Crew who support me on Patreon. Join us there for this and more bonus content. Patreon.com forward slash the Modern Fairy Sightings podcast. Yeah, so, definitely. you know, you can't mess with this. You can't take anything for granted and you can't dishonor and disrespect. I mean, and you, you'll be the same as me. When I'm doing my my project and, you know, talking to people and, you know, putting stuff out there or, or going in various uh, avenues, I do check in yeah. from time to time. I do check in or if it's something that comes up and I'm not sure about it, I'll ask, you know, is this okay? And I will wait for an answer and, you know, how, whichever way you go about it, you know, do it, do it your own way. But that is something that I do uh, because um, you don't, you know, you don't want to piss them off, basically. <laughs> as, Definitely as, not. Yeah, this is it. I mean, oh. they have a, a very different value system and a value system and a, a morality that I find very difficult to to get to grips with. Um, they are not, I think as human beings, we're, we're very much, we live by, uh, you know, boxing things off and uh, making, we, we are predisposed to be obsessed with making sense of everything. Uh, yeah. that's that's part of human nature and the the fey aren't um and I, I do find it then difficult to uh to get to grips with you know where they're coming from and and what they're trying to communicate um and as you know they can be very tricksy so even when you're checking in I, I think with with me um that side of uh dealing with that side of the fey I'm sorry my dog is grumbling at the time oh, I don't know whether okay. you can hear I can um, hear something yeah <laughs> oh bless yeah. her. um so, <laughs> so with with the, the the kind of the uh the darker side of the the, the fate and when I say that I don't mean sort of um that that's the only way that I can box it is that is that that kind of end of the spectrum where they they are almost more mischievous and and converge on malevolent Mm. The, the the level of trickster just goes through the roof it, it goes mm. through the roof so I do find them slippy characters and I do find them slippy characters in terms of um you know asking for permission for things or um I basically kind of put it out there that this is what I'm doing um and if it's not okay let me know but I need to know why um let's be straight you know because there is they will be convoluted your rabbit holes that you'll go down uh, without being um without being straight with them it's I often say about um and this is the other thing that I get quite a lot of, of those who are enthusiastic about working with with fairies and I'm sure you get it as well uh, people ask how do I work with them and my first response is don't <laughs> okay know? because it's like you you don't unless you are very specific about what you're inviting in and why you're inviting in mm-hmm. um, you could get anything 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 anything's open to invite and under that circumstances it's interesting yeah of course with your work with with the paranormal you've you've seen it all really haven't you you know you, yeah you've, you can see you've seen how it can go badly wrong mm-hmm. definitely definitely I mean in terms of and I know that you 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 will probably um very aware of this in your your practice as well but um I think one of the one of the nice ways that you can work uh with that that kind of energy is definitely if you're gardening I mean this is a lovely way to work with that kind of energy is um ask them 
to to have input in the energy of, of things that you're growing, you know, and helping out with, you know, planting and, and growing things because they love that, that, you know, it's it's part of their understanding. And um, I'd never invite them into my house, though, knowingly. No, no, have to be really careful about that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So looking at the various experiences that you've had and also bearing in mind we've been kind of called to do this at this time and what do you think is going on do you think that there is a message there and and if so what's your guess of what is going on do you have any sense of that I I think there is um there is a rise in in, uh, connectivity and I think the part of it is that the the energies of the, the face saw this coming well before we did. Whenever we have trauma that reverberates globally as human beings, wars, um, famines, etc., when when something ripples out across the earth, uh, there seems to be a spike and a raising in the consciousness of things of a spiritual nature. Um, and we see that in the, uh, you know, in the Second World War, you know, seances, et cetera, just um, be- yeah. became very, very popular. And I think with the Fae, it's also coupled with, and this is where I go really hippy-dippy with this, you know, um, and, and it, I, I kind of breathe out a bit when I say this because I'm very, very aware of how I look. But That's I cool. Am gonna... It's welcome. It's very welcome here. <laughs> I am so, very hippy-dippy myself. <laughs> I know. It's great. It is great. But I think that when um, I, I think, you know, that we are incredibly disrespectful of of nature as a whole um, and we see it as a commodity and we see it as a thing of, uh, of a commercial standing something that we can take from with um with putting nothing back and giving nothing back and we have no connection with the things that we eat and the the land that we're on and um this i think massively affects because the fairies are probably the closest astral realm that we have to the material realm that we work with and um sorry Aww. that's a dog scratching um, again yeah. um so it means that they are massively affected by how we um how we are dealing with the earth so i think that they raise raise us to um to help and raise themselves through through the earth energy I, I i think that that's one of the aspects of it yeah yeah that yeah that, it makes absolute sense to me yeah so we've got to get ourselves straight in order to aid this planet but also to aid beings in these other realms that we are no doubt affecting with our own behaviors yeah, definitely. Definitely. So before you go, I would really love to see some of your creations because, you know, um, I, I feel that they are a little bit of love going out into the world, a little bit of fairy <laughs> mystery uh, going out into the world. So, yeah, can you show us some of your, your mushroom crafts, please? I can, I can. So the, the mushroom thing, thing is something that kind of heightened again around about the COVID time. And obviously there is connections with the Fae and the dead, et cetera, but mushroom, mushrooms oh. amongst other things. Have there was a huge, big, 
uh, orb that just shot behind your back there. It was kind of like a oh. bluey, uh, quite a bluey sort of silvery colour that just shot down. Nice. Yeah, just shot down the back. Didn't, <laughs> didn't see that. They're, they're, obviously, they're obviously liking the mushrooms. So yeah. I, I'm going to give you a sneak peek of a big piece that I'm working on cool. uh, literally okay. at, at the minute. But um, generally, generally um, it, it's kind of manifesting in to oh that's going to be awful lighting oh um, wow into, oh into, yeah tip it you could tip it and then you can oh yeah beautiful I think my light let me just their earrings can, yeah so my camera's not the best so their earrings I'll just I'll show Very you sweet. um I don't know how well you'll be able to see these so that's that's kind of my I did an elfin type range of pendants and that's two leaves oh, beautiful and, tiger's eye so the it's manifesting in different ways but I'll, I'll show you the my latest so I've I've started doing it this is going to be a lamp amazing that is incredible tons of work so yeah, the, there the mushrooms are taking over my life mushrooms came along and the names followed suit they were they were not far behind to be fair yeah, I had wanted to ask you about your relationship with mushrooms because um, I wondered how that tied in. So just could you, could you, have you got time to, will your dog be okay? Yeah, of course. You yeah, can yeah, bring her in if you want. Yeah, she's fine. She's fine. Okay. okay. Oh, she'd be, a, she'd be a pain. She'd be swinging off my, my jumper. <laughs> um, so the, the, the mushrooms kind of, I, 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 I'm, I, I have to create. So there are things that I do that I'm happy to create and just to go along with. Mm. And then there are things that I have to purge and I can't, I can't not do it. I can't, I can't cope without getting something out. Uh, That, that last piece that I showed you, that was, that was a purge piece that had been floating around in my head and I I had to get it out into three dimension. And that's the mushrooms. uh, That's how they've taken me. And it was, um, I mean, it, the, I've always created mushrooms um, when I've been building and making it, but it's never been a predominant theme. And it, it became a predominant theme at the start of lockdown, about the time when all, all this started happening for everybody. And at the fairy festival uh, in, sorry, fairy fair in Glastonbury, in not the last one, but the one in March that I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, a friend, um, Amarelle Ham- Hamilton, who is a, a, a fantastic sculptress. She makes the most beautiful sort of mythical, uh, magical creatures. Mm-hmm. And she came over and she said, to Kate, I'm not surprised that you've ended up doing mushrooms because I was saying I can't stop. You know, I'm, I'm just obsessed. Um, and I said, well, why? And she said, well, there is a huge connection between mushrooms and fairies we have fairy rings we have the association with uh, the amanita with uh with fairies because of the shamanic practice of of taking amanita um but there's also the connection with mushrooms with dead with the dead you know there is um historical rituals that take place um there are you know aztec mushroom men who were kind of conduits of of, of uh, going over into into the other worlds and 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 you know and, and death etc and I just thought the two worlds have collided for me in the form of mushrooms because it's they are symbolic yeah. of 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 um 
of I suppose the other other energies because they are and they are fascinating. They they are just they're neither plant nor animal. They are you know they're almost alien. It's it, it just all converged I think and that that's mm. um and it was I, I never even thought of it. I just make mushrooms and that's what I do. Wow. Yeah, I can really see that. They're coming up from the earth and they are so mysterious, aren't they? Mm, definitely. You know, definitely. this interconnection. That is really cool. Oh, thank you so much, Kate. That's been a really fascinating chat. I love hearing about these experiences and they're all so different. So do please come back on. Tell us about your future explorations. And um, there's lots more that I haven't had time to ask you tonight. So, yeah, you've got to come back on. Thanks again. And where can people contact you for your, obviously, for your podcast, but also for your mushroom wares? So I think I think the easiest thing um, is just I, I'm, I'm consolidating everything at the minute. So uh, message me through Facebook. So it's Kate Hairgirl Ray. Um, or if you can find me hair in the hawthorn on Facebook and you can message me through there. Um, it's YouTube, it's Kate Hair Girl Ray. Um, that may change into hair in the hawthorn because that's what I call the the um interviews that I do. It's kind of my creative umbrella. Um, I'm always happy to hear from people, um, their experiences like you. It's the experiential that um really fascinates me more than um I, there's there's a lot in folklore and history but it's it's people's experiences that that really float my boat too so yeah. i'm always i'm always happy to hear from people yeah great oh thank you and yeah we all need to keep talking and sharing these experiences and um who knows what comes next but uh but i feel like this is kind of it's it's called for and um yeah let's just see but yeah. keep doing what you're doing because it's you're obviously you know here to do this and have lots of, of gifts in this area. So um, yeah, it's really cool. Thanks so much, Kate. And Thank um, you. yeah, let's speak again soon.